0: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at Carmax.com. Carmax, the way car buying should be. Well, hello. I'm Andy Behrens, joined as usual by Scott Pianowski, and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. Uh, why don't we start with a programming note? We are we're we're done for a little while with the daily podcast. What with the uh, what with your season-long fantasy league being concluded. Uh, and we're, we're done with the late Sunday night podcasts as well, because that is a that is a grueling endeavor. Of course, it's only it's only right to let uh, let Liz see her family again. Uh, so here's the plan for the postseason for the NFL postseason. Late Mondays, early Tuesdays, you're going to get a recap pod of everything that happened on the uh, on the Sunday slate uh, on the weekend slate. Uh, and and we'll also do a little betting look ahead to uh, to the coming games to the week ahead on Friday mornings. You are going to get a more detailed, deeper dive of the weekend's games. Uh, it's going to be a thorough preview. All kinds of little DFS nuggets, prop bets, whatnot. Um, here we're just going to give a cursory view of what's uh, what's coming up. On both episodes, we will cover the latest news and uh, standard issue season long fantasy advice. Along the way, um, with that, how's it going, Scott? How you doing? How was your How was your How was your game day on Sunday?
1: I'd like to thank the Eagles for for pumping up the odds of everybody else to win the NFC East. So <laughs> I was able to to have a little bit of Dallas, a, a fair amount of the football team, and a fair amount of the Giants, and locked in a profit no matter what. So well done, Doug Peterson. Well done, Carson Wentz. Uh, you, you guys are the real heroes. I, I do play in a few fantasy leagues that count week seventeen, so. I was engaged maybe more than some other fantasy managers might have been. It is what it is. In a total points league, I I don't care. You want to use Week 17, use it. I get all the reasons why you don't. Obviously, there's a lot of news we had to try to to guess on. How long would Buffalo play there, guys? I I want to mention one fantasy angle that I'm going to try to really take advantage of next year, even if it's just for DFS reasons. Okay? Okay. There were a bunch of players yesterday who had incentive reasons to to hit yeah. certain. You know, Derrick Henry wanted two thousand yards. Emmanuel Sanders had a big clause in his contract that that he reached. and He celebrated like Sanders. On Sanders' Bowl.
0: on-field reaction was one of my favorite things. Uh, his on-field right. reaction um, after the final catch, and then his embrace of Sean Payton. And that's like it's a good PR. It's good PR if you're Sean Payton. The fact that you went out of your way sure. to get Emmanuel Sanders those catches, big deal. Well, I think a lot
1: of coaches are doing that now, where. Tampa Bay, maybe to their detriment, they played Mike Evans. He wanted to get the thousand yards. Yep. Stephon Diggs wanted a receiving yardage title. Tyler Lockett was going after, I think, the franchise record in receptions. These guys all hit these things. So for next year, whether it's for DFS purposes, whether it's for handicapping purposes, I'm going to try to be more praying. Look, maybe next year, all these guys, you can want to do something and maybe it not work out. But it sure seems like. I had a list of like 10 different guys who had things they were playing for, statistically personal milestones and, and clauses and bonuses. It seemed like a bunch of those things hit this week.
0: Yeah, no, it's a it's a really good way to look at things. Did you have any, you have any Alexander Madison yesterday? Did you have any of the stars of Week 17 on any of your rosters?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't do great in DFS because I felt like it was just too easy of a week where Taylor was in a smash spot. We'll talk yeah. about Jonathan Taylor for sure. Uh, Madison, you know, we see this frame all the time. Uh, a backup running back who is underpriced. He wasn't a giveaway. He was 17 bucks, but he was underpriced against the Lions team. But by the way, the second worst defense by points allowed in NFL history, only the 1981 Colts who can now pop the champagne. The Lions have not passed you. (laughs) Um, Good thing Tampa Bay benched their guys in week 16, or maybe they would have, although they still threw touchdown passes in the second half. But uh, you had some Madison and, you know, the Lions, man, they were a gift that kept on giving. They couldn't stop anything. And they're probably going to be responsible for some bad business decisions made by teams that got stat heavy off the Lions defense. So um, I know Robert Salah is probably the favorite to be their next head coach. And I'm a little bit sad that we don't have this punching bag to take advantage of because they were really fun to gang up on the last few weeks. Yeah,
0: it it might take more than simply a coaching change to fix that defense. We shall see. Uh, Let's let's just dive right into the week 17 recap. And let's start with – let's start with the only game that I truly cared about. And I feel like I almost feel bad that I was really locked in on the bears Packers game because you and I were talking off pod and like, I got, I got no hope for this bears team in the playoffs, right? They, they, they they followed the most likely path that they had to a playoff berth, which was to lose to the Packers, which seemed inevitable because there's just a chasm in terms of in terms of uh, talent and, and 2017 competence between those teams. Of course, they were going to lose in a game that the Packers needed to secure the number one seed. Um, and yet the Rams were able to beat the Cardinals to so the Bears back into the playoffs in a in a week in which they just absolutely got torched. Um but wasn't a particularly competitive game. The the Bears are in the postseason. Yay! Um, David Montgomery had another day and and went down with what looked like an ugly injury early in that thing and and gutted through it. So now we have to sort through exactly what his fantasy value was going to be. What is what his price tag is going to be in twenty twenty one. Uh, I don't know. The Bears are already double-digit dogs to the Saints as they should be. They have absolutely no hope. It's a it's a bizarre situation in which they are just uh, staggering into the into the postseason. Um, but the Packers, I would say, a pretty clear favorite in the NFC. Do you agree? I do. Uh, I I put in some
1: conference props uh, teams to win the, their respective conferences last week. I rolled over some over under money that I'd won on team totals, and I bet on Buffalo and Green Bay thinking that the Packers would probably land in that pilot's chair, which has never been more important than it is right now with only one team getting a bye in each conference. And, you know, you know mgm has been so much fun. And the, the way the betting space has changed now, you know, Frank Schwab and I were grinding the NFC East every week, their odds. We were looking at the M- MVP market. <laughs> this is basically our day trading, right? We would spend every week on Monday, we would text each other a bunch of times and be like, oh, you know, where is Rodgers moving? Rodgers was a an underdog just a couple of weeks ago. And even a week ago, you could you still could have gotten him at Bet MGM Monday afternoon, seven days ago, at about minus one fifty, minus one sixty. That that quickly went up to like minus three or four hundred. And now he's like minus, you know, a thousand or two thousand or something. Rogers has basically wanted he he put the finishing touches on it with the four touchdown game against the Bears while Mahomes obviously wasn't playing. I think Josh Allen would have needed like 17 touchdowns to get into the K get into the into the running. He'll probably come in third if he even gets a vote at all. But I guess the takeaway here is Next year, if you're not used to this, it's really fun. You we now have markets that we never we used to just talk about the MVP as something that was just off in the future, but we yeah. we had no application to get involved in it. Now you can at any point in the season bet on the MVP and adjust and hedge. You know, we had the home shares at plus odds, Frank and I did. And then we saw the Rogers odds were pretty good. We got some of that. So we, we lock in a profit no matter who wins. This has been one of the most fun things of the season is getting over to Bet MGM and just seeing where the markets are headed.
0: Just for my own edification, and yeah, I agree with you that Aaron Rodgers pretty much locked up the MVP. It was a, a you
1: called that even when he wasn't the favorite. You thought he was, so you were on that too.
0: Yeah, I mean, the reason that I was really on it was narrative, right? Um, he clearly wants it. Um, he he really made no secret about that. It's a it's a super easy narrative to spin if you're a if you're an opinion writer, if you're an opinion maker, if you're a, a talking head of any sort. The relative talent around him and we, like we could debate the the talent surrounding mahomes and the talent surrounding rogers they're obviously both transcendent talents uh themselves but it, it was a pretty easy story to tell um and he's he's very clearly going to get it and the fact that mahomes you know like it should work in his favor the fact that mahomes was was able to put himself into a position where he didn't even have to play the final week of the season but rogers doing what he did to secure the number one seed uh probably clinches it and then mahomes doesn't finish with the with the yardage lead. Obviously, he's going to be the yards per game leader, I believe. But Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. gets the gets the overall yardage lead. There's just not even a you know. It's a, we've reached a point where there's not even an easy statistical argument for Mahomes uh, that belongs to Rodgers, So he's he's pretty clearly going to get it. Um, this feels like one of those like. NBA situations, uh, where the West and the East are, are, are so, um, mismatched. So lopsided that I just, I just want to reseed the entire NFL right now. Like, I feel like the Packers are a pretty heavy favorite in the NFC. And, uh, there's a, there's a super bowl that I would love to see that is probably going to come in like the, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe we get Buffalo and Kansas city in the, in the AFC conference championship weekend and that is like that is the game that i'm that i'm here for but i but i feel like you know the hottest teams in football right now and, and some of the most compelling stories are all in the are all in the afc
1: yeah let's also give a nod to Devonte adams He didn't have a, a signature game He had another touchdown in week 17 he finishes the year as the fourth best ppr per game receiver since the merger the only guys who beat him that that west chandler season and the strike and then two jerry rice seasons anytime you're in the running with a jerry rice season yeah you've done really well and yeah, I know Adams. It's not like he came on as a secret. I mean, he was the number two receiver on anybody's board. I know Matt Harmon, our colleague, had him at number one, but now it's, we're at the point where I think Adams is going to be the first receiver drafted next year, and and could he, the moment people aren't sure what to do at running back, I think Adams is going to be the guy they're grabbing.
0: Yeah, uh, no, no argument there. Let me get your, let me just get your quick take because I know I know you wrote about this a little bit in Booms and Busts. Your quick take on what the Bears are going to do now? I mean, man, they. They're technically a playoff qualifier. They're obviously they're going to be a first round to exit. Um, they, they don't deserve the spot necessarily, but they're there and they close the season with a bang because they played this layup line of defenses that we've been talking about. So uh, the, the assumption is Matt Nagy comes back. I, Matt Nagy was drawing a lot of fire from Bears fans like half my half my Twitter feed is obviously Bears fans and and he was drawing a lot of fire for his, some of the decision making with regard to field goals versus uh you know going forward in goal-to-go situations um he doesn't trust his quarterback like that that's where all that stuff comes from like you're, you're probably not kicking all those field goals if you if you feel really good about the guy that you've got a quarterback and I feel like many of the questionable coaching decisions that uh, Nagy has been involved in in goal-to-go situations throughout his, his head coaching career have had to do with the fact that there's no good reason to trust Mitch Trubisky. Um, but there there is certainly a movement in town. I've heard it on local sports radio to retain Trubisky um, for, for at least a season. Uh, I don't know what, like, what do you think they're going to do? I know what I want them to do. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of indifferent to Matt Nagy. I don't mind if he sticks around, but I don't think they can both stick around. I don't want to see Nagy and Trubisky again. Uh, I, I, I would like, I would like them to cut the cord with Trubisky and I don't think it's going to happen.
1: This is a really tough fork in the road that NFL teams are constantly facing. The whole idea of good is the enemy of great. You know, they went to the playoffs with Mitch Trubisky. He had some moments over the last few weeks, albeit against a very favorable schedule until week 17. So is the goal, hey, we made the playoffs. We're probably going to be in the playoffs for 15 seconds. We'll be eliminated. You know, we'll, we'll get we'll, we'll put the banner up, whatever. But, you know, maybe some will have a pendant on their, on their eighth you know, eight-year-old's wall or something. But <laughs> nobody thinks Mitch Trubisky is ever going to be a Super Bowl quarterback. Or if he were, it would have to be because everything else was generationally unbelievable. Like somehow they assembled you know, once in a lifetime defense in a couple of years, maybe you could just kind of let him game manage his way through it. But so is the goal. We have to find who our next great quarterback is. It's not Mitch. Let's move on. Or it's as well. Okay. We made the playoffs. Maybe we can just try to find a way to get a one-year deal done. Even if that means franchising him as much as that money would sound pretty gross to give the Mitch Trubisky that puts off the decision for a year teams. A lot of times when they're not sure exactly what to do, sometimes they'll just delay the decision. So I could see that happening, but it's a question of, we started in Miami, right, with, with Tua and Fitzpatrick, where it seemed pretty obvious that if the goal was to be as good as they could be today, Fitzpatrick was the right guy when healthy to play. But if the goal is to maybe be a championship contender someday, get two in there, let him get reps, find out how good he is, let him you know learn, let him make mistakes and, and get better, hopefully. So it's a case of, what's the goal? Are you, are you Now, it was taken out of Miami's hands because Fitzpatrick couldn't play in week 17. I think if he was on, if he was in uniform, he probably would have come into that game pretty early. Oh, when no, question. Was struggling. no question. But I, I think it's going to be hard. If you let Trubisky go, the question is, well, who's the quarterback? They're not going to draft early enough to take anybody that would be a slam dunk. Oh yeah, this is the guy for the next 10 years. So I think Chicago has to ask itself, are, are we happy to be a team that can design on being a playoff team? And you know, our upside is probably going out that first week. Or do we have to get maybe a little bit worse? It's like a golfer, right, who says, I want to fix my swing. I may get worse before I get better. I think in the Bears case, it would be smart to maybe take a step back. If they ultimately want to take several steps forward. I,
0: I got to tell you, I don't I think I'm going to have to take a week off of podcasting. I don't think I'm going to be able to comment if the Bears actually were to give Mitch Trubisky the franchise tag. Um, I'm, I'm just going to be sick about it. I, I get that it's a year, um, but in a in a season where the cap probably shrinks to pay somebody who is just verifiably, obviously not a top 20, 25 quarterback in the NFL to pay them 30 some million dollars or whatever the franchise tag is going to be for quarterbacks. I'm I'm sick just thinking about it. We have to move really quick for fantasy purposes. David Montgomery,
1: where does he go next year? Where would you want to take him next year?
0: Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's problematic because he's been great um, late in the season. And I give him, uh, I give him as much credit for actually gutting that out in week 17 as I do for any of the performance in the previous month. Right. Like that was great. He was down and writhing and came out of the game and came back in and, and performed admirably. Um, I like him. Like I, I, I really like him. I just don't think he's going to get this kind of perfect storm again. Uh, we we've talked about it previously. So, a huge chunk of his receiving workload this year was was a byproduct of the injury to, to Tariq Cohen. It would it would not have been there in a normal season with everybody healthy. It's nice to know he can do it. Um, they, they can file that away, but I, I wouldn't expect him to match this reception total next season under the same coaching staff. There's almost, almost no path to it. I think he's fine as a, as a runner. Um, I don't think he's, I don't think he's some wow runner and you, you probably want to get everything out of his rookie contract that you can. I don't want to pay him long-term. Um, I think he's that kind of back, you know, um, I, I don't think, especially with some of the performances and we'll get to this in a bit that we've seen from members of this year's rookie class, like I, I don't I, I don't think he's in the conversation to go in like the back end of round one or early in round two. Yeah. I think in my view, he's probably around three or four running back there. There might be some, certainly in all of my hometown drafts, there is going to be someone who's like, oh, my God, I can't believe David Montgomery is on the board at the back end of round one. I am taking him because I my drafts are full of Bears fans. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case nationally. I, I I would hope that we're able to to realize that a lot of what was great about his season had to do with an absurdly friendly schedule over the past month and a half. And uh, we shouldn't expect that level of performance necessarily over a full season in 2021. I
1: always view round three is the first round where people start saying, I'm not really sure what to do here. I think David Montgomery will slot nicely in the, I don't know yeah. what to do here mode. So if I just said to you, I'm going to ask for a yes or
0: no. If I said to you, Andy, Andy Barron's David Montgomery's going to be a third round pick next year in or out. Uh, potentially in. Yeah. Potentially in. I think that's, okay. I think that's fine um i for me it's going to depend on what receivers are sitting there what tight ends are going to sitting are, are going of to be course. sitting there and if we're in an industry league if pat mahomes is sitting there right like if if i if i get a situation like that i'm probably going to go to another position i'm never going to be like i'm not going to be high five in anybody because i drafted david montgomery i'll say that
1: and let's leave it at that.
0: Let's talk about the team that uh that put the bears in the playoffs. Uh the the Rams knocked out Arizona and knocked in the Chicago Bears with just a an atrocious like I, not again, not that I'm on this game throughout because they were playing at the same time as the as the Bears and Packers, but Man, an eighteen to seven final score kind of tells you everything that I suppose you need to know about this one. The game was basically decided by which team was able to convert a defensive touchdown, which is how the thing felt all along. Um, John Wolford outdueling Chris Streveler. Uh, I don't know how how do you feel about the about the Rams' prospects moving forward. I don't think, based on everything that I've everything that I've read, everything I've heard about Jared Goff's injury, um, I, I can't imagine he's coming back anytime soon.
1: Yeah, you know, I kind of liked Wolford for one very simple reason. He wasn't Jared Goff. I was just <laughs> relieved to be free of Jared Goff for an afternoon. I had a lot of Rams interest in week 16 where I thought their defense would give Russell Wilson fits. It did. I thought the Rams could easily hold Seattle under what their normal point and yardage expectations expectations would be. They did that, but Goff was so awful. I mean, he was basically in point shave mode. Yeah. And, you know, Wolford, he threw an awful interception early in that game. I think that was a pick six too. But you know, he had he had some mobility. He had some athleticism. He had a little bit of DGAF in his game. M- maybe they have to coach some of that out of him. You know, we, we joke about Sean McVay basically being in the heads of his quarterbacks to the point that he's almost playing quarterback for the team. The thing that's fascinating about the Rams is they have, I think, easily the best defense in football. And they yeah. have generationally great players. You know, Donald, probably going to be the uh, the defensive player of the year again. Ramsey is as good as any cornerback in the league. And they have really, they're secondary players. They're They're... You know, lesser stars in this team are, are outstanding too. Um, the depth of the unit, so I, I think they're really dangerous if they can just get competent offense, almost to the point that if they could just go full fledged Dilfer, Brad Johnson, that type <laughs> of thing. Just don't screw up the game. Let Donald and Jalen Ramsey and those guys win it. I, I think they. It's going to be a really fun game them playing Seattle, but. I'm going to miss Cliff Kingsbury betting against Cliff Kingsbury was a kind of a cottage industry, especially in the second half of the year. They had the great moment with, with Kyler Murray, the touchdown pass against Buffalo, but very few things went right for this team in the second half of the year. And a lot of it was Kingsbury, you know, kicking field goals on fourth and one when you have Kyler Murray. Uh, Kingsbury refused to be creative with DeAndre Hopkins. Our our old colleague Doug Farrar was talking about how Hopkins, like, is never put in motion. He's always parked the same place in the formation. Could you make it any easier to guard against our our most important playmaker on the outside? It it just seems like – look, I know Kingsbury obviously has a lot of tactical things in his head that I don't understand – but I feel like the eleven-year-olds watching the game who have already mastered Madden are like, "What the heck are you doing?" They had a late punt in that the, Rams the punt game, was I basically was, I was waiting for you punt. to get what to the punt. Doing?
0: Yeah, the punt was really something because that's just that's just giving up on the season at that point.
1: It's week seventeen. What do you do, winning week I eighteen? Mean, yeah, know, what's Kingsbury doing? Um, it was a fun a fun Kyler Murray season. Kind of sad the way it ended, where he probably shouldn't have been in that game, you know. But they, they rushed him in. They were hoping to somehow bail out a win there, but. Yeah, he was terrific. You were on that man, you've been the, the quarterback man the last couple of years. You called Lamar Jackson last year as the guy to get. I know you were in on Murray this year. It wasn't anywhere near the same profit because I think the market did like Murray a lot. But I know some silly people. I'll raise my hand. I, I was thinking, oh, you can have Kyler Murray. I'll got Russell Wilson around later. And you know, I felt <laughs> smart about that for about two months. It certainly didn't end well. So uh and and you know, I think this shows us we'll talk about Jalen Hurts a little bit later, but of the top ten quarterbacks, Tom Brady was the only quarterback who really had no running element to his game. A lot of the quarterbacks in the top ten are proactive runners, and some of the other guys are, are guys like Justin Herbert who will run if it's there. Ryan Tannehill he had a handful of rushing touchdowns. I'm at the point now. Brady was great. But I'm at the point now that I cannot go to war, go to battle, go to go to fantasy you know competition without a quarterback who doesn't fill that column in some way.
0: Yeah, no, it's a really good point. And uh, I I think we talked about it last week as well. And and I know that our friend TJ Hernandez has uh, has written about it, tweeted about it, um, that the gap now like we're this is, you know, this is like three years in a row where we've seen historic level fantasy performances from the from the very top of the quarterback position. And I Like, I I honestly do feel like we've kind of come out of the era in which it's it's just really easy to stream your way through the middle of the season and and cover the bye weeks. And I don't I'm I'm not going to be comfortable in twenty twenty one. I haven't been comfortable over the last couple of years coming out of fantasy drafts with, you know, I used to I used to just go for the quarterback platoon. Right. I'd be I'd try to be the last person who who took a starting quarterback Mm I'd be fine with some combo of like Matt Ryan and Eli Manning and I'd let myself drop one of them during the season. I just try to play matchups and stream it. You could do fine. Um but the the gap between those top 5 or 6 guys now and the and the players that you'll find among the streaming pool is just is just too great. And you don't you can't win a week anymore because your quarterback goes, you know, for 260 passing yards and two touchdowns and runs for 10 yards. Like that's just not That's just not a winning plan in in 2020.
1: Yeah, Phillip Rivers is not good enough anymore. Matt Stafford, uh, although heroic week 17, and he he played through all these injuries and he's one of my favorite all-time players, but not good enough anymore. You know, Goff's not good enough anymore. My advice would be, I'm still not going to be the first in line to get a quarterback unless the price really comes down on somebody like Mahomes, which maybe I'd be open-minded to it. You know, Murray's rushing upside is gigantic. We we saw Jackson play really well the last few weeks. I'm going to try to play... The value game with the understanding that I still want a quarterback who can give me a leg up at the position. I still want somebody who at the end of the week, I can plausibly say, yeah, I can see him scoring 33 points this week. So I'm going to, I'm finally, I've finally gotten the Matt Ryan out of my system. I I guess that's the way I can (laughs) can most tidily explain it.
0: Yeah, well, speaking of quarterbacks who can't possibly carry you in fantasy, um, let's switch to Cleveland. Let's, let's talk about the Browns because congrats to them. Um, exciting that they've, that they've clinched a playoff spot. They, they have not been in the postseason since. 2002 i believe did not quite make it in during the magical braylon edwards derrick anderson year that was one of my Mm -hmm. favorite fantasy seasons of all time absolute gem. love that team yeah absolutely love that offense jamal lewis sure but they have not they have not been in the postseason in what like 18 years they're in Mm -hmm. um they won a squeaker that required the pittsburgh steelers to fail in a two-point conversion attempt and um for the browns themselves to dodge an almost total disaster on an onside kick. The game was closer than it needed to be and Mason Rudolph was they made him look weirdly competent. But whatever, it's over. They're in. Um they have Nick Chubb and he's just an absolute monster, an absolute beast, but they also have a quarterback who averages about 230 passing yards per week and his best games have been really good, have been really fun. Um it is it is difficult for me to imagine and we'll get to a game preview in a little bit between Cleveland and Pittsburgh, but it's just really difficult for me to imagine the Browns winning perhaps more than one game in the postseason.
1: Yeah, I mean I give them a punchers chance against Pittsburgh. It certainly wasn't impressive to be life and death to beat the Steelers JV. I mean Pittsburgh rested so many guys. Yeah. The best it's basically if you said to Cleveland, look, what like four or five players would you want the Steelers not to dress? Like all those guys did play, you know, other than the the talented receiver, pretty much every important Steeler was was in street clothes. And there they are, life and death to beat Mason Rudolph. This this just looks like a uh, it's a first-step progression for Cleveland. Yeah. They, they've changed the culture. They've gotten the head coach right. I think Stefanski's a great coach. I didn't flip out when they lost the Jets game because they were placed in an unwinnable situation with all those – receivers not being available at the last minute when you had no time to coach anybody else up. You could hardly introduce the new guys to the offense. So that that game was just a setup. And, and the Jets actually were a competent team for the last couple of months. They were bad, but they weren't generationally, we're going to do a documentary about them someday bad. <laughs> they were just another mediocre team. So I think this is just a, maybe where Buffalo was last year, where it's like, okay, you made the playoffs. You're not going anywhere. It's fun. The fan base can feel good about it. We haven't been... We haven't punched a ticket in a while. We haven't had something to look forward to or feel good about in a while. But um, they don't have any upside. I give them zero chance to go deep in the AFC playoffs.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, the AFC is just too loaded at the top. Uh, hard to imagine. But I don't know. It, this would be a, like after after two decades, two super painful decades as a Browns fan. This would be um, this would be super gratifying. This would be really fun. And I don't want to I don't want to diminish what they've accomplished. Neither and, do I. And they got the coach right. Yeah. Think of
1: all the awful. I mean, the whole thing with the Browns is that. They've had a million coaches. They've had a million quarterbacks, and they've had some of the you know, guy when guys fail in Cleveland, they fail so spectacularly that their careers are over. Basically, they, yeah. they may be clipboard carriers later, but you you fail there, and then you're out of football. You're usually in a few years. And it's the same with the coaches. I think Stefanski's a great hire. Mayfield at one point was on a 15 touchdown, two interception streak. He's done all of this without Odell Beckham. That's the big question with this team is can they get Odell Beckham and Baker Mayfield on this offense all on the same page? Because they've never really been able to do that. A lot of it's been Beckham getting hurt, but maybe he kind of overwhelms this offense in a way that may not be healthy for it. I'm not trying to suggest they wouldn't be a better team without with Beckham in the lineup, because they would, but they need to fine-tune this in a way they haven't been able to do yet. But you know, you, you got to walk before you run, and this, this team is walking. In fact, they're walking at a really good pace right now, and you know, maybe next year they can take a shot at winning the division. I mean, it's just... For a franchise, for a great one of the great NFL franchises, it's it's a joke that they lost the franchise in the late '90s because Art Modell was right. in debt. Uh, they got the team back. It's been a long road. 2002 was obviously a long time ago. I, I'm, I'm all for the feel good Browns. You know, this the point is the arrow is, is clearly pointing up with this team.
0: Yeah, I'll agree. They, I mean, they have some franchise cornerstones too. In in addition to get the coaching to getting the coaching hire clearly right, um, you know. Garrett's great. Um, Chubb is great. Like you you have some things that you can build with that are that are unquestionably uh, among the best players in the at, at their positions in the NFL. Let's let's talk about another team in this division. Let's just weirdly stick with this division. Um, I, I feel like the Ravens would just be a nightmare to to have to face. In the opening round of the postseason, with as well as they're playing, you you kind of hit me with this message uh, midweek, uh, and I, I had to think about like you you just asked me sort of as a trivia question who who is leading the NFL in point differential, and I had to think about it a little bit. It's it's the Ravens, like. The the Ravens, in addition to having blown people out over the last, you know, they're they're in this uh, winning streak now. They've won five in a row. Uh, they they did the same at the start of the season too. They just weren't involved in competitive games at all. They had huge margins. Uh, They had that they had the big loss to the Chiefs, but all their wins were were just um, racing away from teams and then a lull in the middle of the season. And they had the covid weeks. um, But man, the Ravens are playing really well. They just ran for 404 yards. Um, They're not they're not doing this in the like they're not winning in the way that teams we, we, we think of teams winning in 2020. Um, but they've just been absolutely dominant. Um, J.K. Dobbins looks great. Gus Edwards has looked great. Lamar is, uh, for my money, he's the best runner in football. Um, I, I'm just, I'm I'm wowed by this team and I would be terrified to play them in the first round.
1: Sign off and all that. Um, pretty much ever since Lamar Jackson came back from the bathroom in Cleveland, <laughs> everything this team has done has been, been great. They've gotten Hollywood Brown going. I mean, you know, a, a few weeks ago, the joke was, you know, we can give Hollywood Brown a new nickname, you know. Do we call him Bakersfield yeah. Brown or do we acknowledge that he's from Hollywood, Florida, and we call him Key Kane Brown, whatever it is. But he's looked really good lately. Um, we see so many fantasy players, and this team has a bunch of them, where you could have taken – if you took Andrews or Brown or Jackson or Dobbins – you were disappointed and halfway through the season, these guys were driving you crazy. And now at the end of the year, you're like, Hey, that's why I like that guy in the first place. That's why I wanted Hollywood Brown. And I paid the extra dollar in a salary cap league, or I went, I went earlier than uh, everybody else in the draft because I I really thought a bust out was coming. Well, we saw it. it. It happened late, maybe too late for fantasy, but that's an exciting guy for next year. And certainly an exciting guy in the playoffs. Dobbins, he, he and Taylor kind of, and we'll talk about the Colts in a second, they, they were the big fantasy winners, I think, in Week 17 where they, they went ham. This team seemed to play a lot better once they finally admitted that Mark Ingram is great, give him a watch, give him, give him a day at the stadium, <laughs> but he shouldn't be on the field anymore. And um, and Dobbins looks terrific. I think the thing we need to remember with Dobbins, though, his high for carries in a game is 50. Yeah. Jackson is always going to have a big share of the rushing market here. And also, for whatever reason, Jackson in this offense doesn't throw a lot to the running backs. I know Ingram had a great year last year receiving with a bunch of touchdowns, but Dobbins was a good receiver at Ohio State, and I think this has been an underutilized part of his game this year. I think it's incumbent, assuming Greg Roman doesn't get poached by some other team, I think they need to figure out how to get Dobbins more involved as a, as a receiver, because it's such a cheat code. You see the smart team, the Saints have lived this way for years, the easy yardage you can get when you use your, your star running back in space and also you get tackled by the lighter guys on the defense. So I'd like to see the Ravens yeah. get Dobbins more involved as a, as the three down threat. Not that Edwards is ever going to go away, not the ever limit Jackson, but so to me, that's why Dobbins is like maybe a middle second round pick next year, where I would be a little bit higher on Taylor, but I'm excited about this team. I really hope they get, I'd like to see a Kansas city game in, in week in round two, not that the I have nothing against the Titans. That would be a good game too, but Uh, Assuming Pittsburgh would win, Baltimore would go to Kansas City, and and that would be a really fun game. And I know Baltimore, you know, Jackson hasn't been ready for his close-up in some of these playoff games and some of these Kansas City games, and maybe they're finally ready to give them their best swing.
0: Yeah, I would. That, that's kind of what I hope for Baltimore in this postseason. I obviously I I don't think they're the favorite in the AFC. They they might be the third best team in the AFC right now. I could talk myself into that. I, agree. I would really just like to see Jackson sort of overcome this uh, this uh, unfortunate knock that, you know, he can't he can't be a come from behind quarterback in the postseason. I mean, this team is scoring 30 plus per game. So uh, like, even even running the football as often as they do, they're able to get thirty plus per game, and that will beat most teams. I'd like to see Jackson shake that. I'd like to see him get a, a you know a, a sort of defining postseason win, and then uh go go you know blow for blow with uh with either Kansas City or Buffalo or one of these one of these elite offenses in the uh in the AFC. I I am looking forward to that. And congrats to Lamar. By the way, by the way, Lamar Jackson is twenty three. Lamar Jackson is still 23 for a few more days, which is kind of crazy to me. Like he's got he's got an MVP in his pocket, and he's got his whole career ahead of him. Like it's 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 nuts how how young he is, and how young all of the very best players on that on that offense are. So, congrats to him. And, and again, they
1: just they just led the league in point differential, so they yeah. had a great season. Yeah. You know, I mean, they didn't win the division. They they had a little bit of a lull in the middle of the year. COVID probably hit this team harder than a lot of other teams yep. where their their schedule was a mess for a while. That that had to be. I mean, it's been a difficult year for everybody, but I feel like it might have been a little bit more difficult in Baltimore for a while. But man, this this team is is dangerous and I'm with you. Uh it's just so easy when somebody fails once or twice in a playoff situation just to make it a a memorandum of, oh, he can't do it. He's a choker. Yeah. You know, he's just a, he's a fraud, you know, and I don't think that's fair at all with Jackson. I think Jackson's a great football player who will eventually will have signature moments in the playoffs and why not this year?
0: Yeah. I particularly hate to see it with a, with a player who was like 22 years old when some of those <laughs> defining moments happened to him. Right. So there's, sure. there's a lot of career ahead for Lamar Jackson. I want, let's get to Jonathan Taylor because you brought him up. Um, he had, he had the monster, like we, we all knew Jonathan Taylor was going to have a monster game in a, in a prime matchup, obviously. I don't know that I would have uh, predicted 253 yards. He needed just Mm -hmm. seven carries to reach 100 yards against Jacksonville. It was an utterly dominant performance. And I do think it's one of those cases like... I don't, I don't know that Jonathan Taylor is the most inventive runner I've, I've ever seen, but I I think some of this was about, you know, learning what a, as, as you've written sort of learning what a, what a clear rushing lane looks like in the NFL versus what it looks like in the big 10 West, right? Like there's just a, there, there's, you just have to adapt to that. Um, life is not going to be as simple. Um, but he's still a guy with, with, track star speed and when you hit a hole and it's a clear hole uh, and you've got a great line ahead of you and you've got you've the kind of talent that he has and the kind of speed he has this is somebody who can make field flipping plays pretty regularly and we've seen it over the last month or so so i i feel like he was he was like a verifiable fantasy bust at the midway point of the season Pe- people were already you know apologizing for recommending him um those same people are obviously taking victory laps now Um, because he's just been brilliant this is like it's like a version of what derrick henry did a couple of years ago um which which began with that huge 200 yard outburst against jacksonville where he he was an absolute fantasy bust until the basically until the fantasy playoffs started and then he was the he was the most unfair fantasy weapon ever uh and he'd already hit waiver wires in a bunch of leagues so jonathan taylor is coming off this ridiculous binge um and i i had originally put in the in in our podcast notes you know whether he was a About midway through that Colts game, I'd put into the notes, is he going to sneak into the first round of fantasy drafts? And by the end of that game, I was like, well, shit, is he going to, is he, is he a first half of the first round guy? Like, how many, how many running backs go ahead of him? Um, do five running backs go ahead of him? Do two? Like, what's the, I don't know. Well, I, I honestly don't know right now how many running backs I would take ahead of him, but I don't think it's more than McCaffrey, Henry, Cook and then i might be ready to pull the trigger on jonathan taylor i'm not sure
1: i think he's parked himself in the first round it's just a matter of when he goes last 6 games 6.2 yards of carry you can see the confidence growing i mean he looked like somebody who wasn't really sure what to do it's it's hard you're at wisconsin they have this great you know, pile moving line in front of you there are gaping holes that that you gallop through and it's just an adjustment and we've seen a lot of the you know, while the rookie receivers have so many of them hit the ground running pretty quickly the running backs took some time, and they've a lot of these guys, Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, Taylor. Uh, their best moments have been in the second half of the year. And I know some people are going to say, I was talking a little bit of Taylor on Twitter today, and a lot of people are saying, Well, look at the schedule. And, and you're, sure, you want to play Jacksonville, you want to play Houston. Uh, they, they're in the Colts division. they'll guess what? They'll play them next year, too. Yeah. But they don't hand out 253, 253. yard games at the airport. Yeah. yeah, 253. It's the second best tied with DeMarco Murray for the second best rookie rushing game of all time, uh, Peterson. Adrian Peterson, I think, went for 296 in his rookie year. And, you know, of course, Peterson was general. When we saw Adrian Peterson, it was like he came from the from Mars or J- Jupiter or something. We'd never seen anything like him. But I, I think Taylor's in the first round. I, and I don't think like 11 or 12. I think he's in the middle of the first round now. And there's going to be a lot of these second-year contract running backs, I'm afraid, to draft or maybe even a guy yeah. like it gets It gets late early at running back, right? We're at inflection points for do we trust Ezekiel Elliott? Do we trust Saquon Barkley? Certainly, this is kind of a cheap narrative, but certainly in any keeper league, I'd rather have Taylor just because he's younger and he's got less attrition. You know, I think his better years are ahead of him where it's safe to wonder. I, I know that the Cowboys are paying Elliott the 90 million and they're not going to mothball him. And he did play really well last week, a game I think he needed. But I'm at the point now, I, want, I just want the younger player. I want the player who's still with the arrow pointing up, who hasn't had his best season yet. You mentioned the offensive line. I'm a Frank Wright guy. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, to me, I could see him landing ADP next year, probably seven or eight. And I think some of those cases might be me picking them.
0: Yeah. And they, and they throw to him too. Um, and that was the the one sort of, uh, open question about him coming into the league was whether he would be a competent receiver. Um, he was right away. He was in week one. By the
1: way, you mentioned that catches, right? We talked earlier about quarterbacks and how we want, unless you're Hmm. unbelievable in the pocket, we really need you to run a little bit. That's the case at running back, okay? Unless you're Derrick Henry, where you own the backfield (laughs) and you get a huge market share at the goal line so we can live with the 19 catches you're going to get. We don't want running backs who don't catch the ball because we worry about them getting game scripted out, the game flow can go awry, and then all of a sudden you have a nine-carry game. Now, again, Henry's an outlier to that. doesn't apply to him. But at running back, you really get to ask yourself, can this guy score double-digit touchdowns? Is he a goal-line factor? And is he still going to be in the game plan if we fall behind? Can he catch the ball? Can I get those cheap points? I know you're a big PPR guy, Andy Barrens. <laughs> is he going to be a factor in half-point PPR and full-point PPR? That's the thing. Like, we wanted the mobile quarterbacks. I think we need the versatile, I can play in all packages. This doesn't mean you won't share time with, with other guys. Obviously, Hines has played a lot this year. We saw Wilkins earlier in the year. I mean, there are so few bell cows in the league but you really need to find as many running backs as you can, who can at least tell this off the story. That they could catch like 40 to, to 55 passes. It's
0: the thing that's going to push Nick Chubb into maybe the second round, late first round, right? Mm. Like he's as a, as a pure talent. I don't know if this were 1978, he would be, he would be unstoppable. He would be the perfect running back. Um, if you're not going to catch the ball 40 times, as you say, it's real. You have to be Derek Henry. You have to be 16 touchdowns and damn near 2000 yards uh, to put yourself into the top six in, in terms of the first round draft position. And, and Chubb probably isn't there he's, he's brilliant. Like he's going to win a rushing title at some point. Uh, I'm fairly confident, but you, you certainly can't draft him. Like in my mind, uh, I'm, I'm definitely taking Taylor ahead of him because I know that there's a receiving workload awaiting Taylor. Let's, let's transition to another rookie because I know you wanted to talk about the rookie receiver class, uh, a little bit generally. And, uh, I just want to hit Justin Jefferson who set the rookie receiving yardage record finished with an, with an even 1400 receiving yards on the year. Like for along the way, had to break Randy Moss's uh, franchise rookie record, which is just absolutely ridiculous. You you look back at these last two seasons for Justin Jefferson, what he did at LSU, and then what he did at in in his first season in Minnesota. It's crazy. Um, he he caught 199 passes between his final season in college and his and his first season in the NFL over 2900 receiving yards just um you know and and they gave him you know they gave him 2 weeks to to in which he was playing like the snap counts for Justin Jefferson in the first 2 weeks of the season weren't terrible they suggested that we would see more of him later on but they were like 50 60% now of course he plays 90 plus percent of the snaps he's on the field almost all the time um and and he's a constant threat and he's what, whatever you would have projected for Stephon Diggs had he remained in Minnesota, Justin Jefferson just outdid it. Um, just a, an absolutely brilliant rookie year. Like he's he's going to finish something like number five, number six overall at the position. Um, he's going to be the only rookie wide receiver one this year. Um, and I think we can make a case for him as a, I don't know, as a late first, early second rounder next year.
1: Yeah, I was thinking more second round, but if somebody wanted him around the turn in the first round, I'm not going to fight you. I was beating myself up a little bit, wondering why I didn't go all in on, on FAB dollars for Jefferson in week three. And then I looked at my leagues and nobody was dropping them. That people, I know in at least one league that was you, you had the patience with them. You saw the upside. You weren't worried about how Minnesota eased him into action. And then once Jefferson had that, what, I think 175 or 179-yard game in week three, it was, you know, okay, here we go. Let's, let's get going. And even though he stands above the rest of this receiver class, I think the really important takeaway – is, that, is this as the college and pro game they start to get closer and closer together and the lines get more blurred? These receivers can come out and can be really good right away. Now, I know there's been stops and starts. You know, Jerry Judy had a, had a drop fest in week 16. cd Lamb at times has been held back by the quarterback situation. It's such a shame. The big shame of this year is that we didn't see what Dak Prescott would have done with the full season yeah. because that team was going to be an absolute carnival. I don't know if they would have won a lot of games, but it wouldn't be to the fault of Dak or to, to CD Lamb or Cooper, all those guys. I just weep for what we would have seen. But so many of these rookie receivers can be factors right away. And in, in a bunch of them, if you look at your week 17 leaderboard, like six or seven receivers were in the top, I want to say 20 or 25 guys, you know, I mean, we could do a podcast all on those guys if you wanted to. So I think we need to be proactive. I, I outside of 2014, which I thought was an outlier season. I've most, I've been mostly okay. I'll let somebody else be the proactive rookie drafter. And I think that that's been broken. Um, just like, Diggs and, and hopkins showed that a, a receiver can go to a new team and be great right away they've kind of smashed that narrative i think the yeah, hey, I i gotta be careful with the rookie receivers i want to i want to maybe wait until year
0: i remember we, year three used to be the rookie receiver season right? that's when we right. all used to that's not the window that was a, that tried and so, true, a tried and true fantasy role right the the year three breakout receiver
1: Right, No, I think for a second it was year two, and now it's like okay, some point in year one. <laughs> you know, I think of Mike Evans in 2014. You had to time it right. Maybe in October you grabbed him. In the case of Jefferson, it was just sitting tight for a few weeks. So, uh, what a what a rookie receiver class is another great class coming. You know, watch the Alabama game. They always have 19 great receivers. Yeah. They're just ridiculous. LSU last year was a factory. Chase is coming into the league this year after after sitting out a season. He's going to be great. And just to put up to put a bow on the rookie receivers, I am in on these guys. I, again I think I think they can hit the ground running quicker. The receiver class was better than the running back class this year for the most of the part. But I also have to give out Andy my first annual Nikhil Harry Award to the guy who <laughs> was in a, a loaded receiver class and everybody else was smashing. And how do we end up with this guy? I'm sorry, Eagles fans. I know you feel like you're getting kicked when you were down. I know you got Whiteside last year. He hasn't really panned out, although he had a good catch Sunday night. Jalen Rager, you went a slot ahead of Justin Jefferson. That's kind of looking like a mistake to me. I know you were hurt a lot. I know you had bad teammates at TCU, but take heart. You are winning the first annual P&O the harry award to the how did this guy get drafted in front of all these other guys award
0: wow first year of this award and uh uh we already have a snub i can't like henry ruggs can't believe that he's not the winner of this thing what <laughs> what more can you do but be the first receiver drafted in a really strong rookie class and and do very little on the season you still don't win that's totally
1: fair by, by the way i just can't say enough i know i mentioned him in passing earlier If that Judy touchdown didn't get your blood pumping, something's wrong with you. That guy, I know, again, I know he, you could do a 30 for 30 on all the passes he dropped in week 16, but, and there's a lot of skill talent in Denver that could be a crowding issue next year. We don't know if Drew Locke's any good. We don't know if Denver can, you know, we don't know if their person, if their upstairs personnel knows what to look like in a quarterback. John Elway hasn't had a good quarterback since John Elway, I guess, (laughs) but that team, Sutton and Fant and Tim Patrick's a good player, and Judy, man, he just, he just hit the turbo jets and said, "See, see you later, Raiders. I'm, I'm scoring a 92-yard touchdown. I that guy really gets my my juices going. It is
0: a it is a ripe situation for uh, any quarterback who's looking to uh, to sort of rehab his reputation for a for a year or two, right? Like it's just a, it's just an incredible receiving core. Um, Fant is going to be a thing. Judy as a potential number two behind Cortland Sutton is just going to be ridiculous. So it's, they, they got a lot of talent there. Before we, before we hit, um, before we hit the, the, the sort of wild card weekend look ahead, I do want to touch on the Eagles. Uh, we've, we've mentioned them a couple times. You just mentioned Jalen Rager. Uh, obviously they have that regrettable Sunday night game against uh, against Washington. Somebody had to win that stupid division. Uh, it, it, the the burden of that falls to Washington. They're, they're almost certainly going to get beaten out of the uh, playoffs really quick. But let's talk a little bit about Jalen Hurts for next year. He is, I suppose, the presumptive starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. Carson Wentz wasn't even active in week 17. Sounds like he wants to be out of there. I can see no reason why the team itself wouldn't want to unload Carson Wentz, um, who is due an awful lot of money. Uh, and Jalen Hurts gave us flashes, but man, these last two weeks have not been pretty.
1: So you didn't, I just want to make sure I'm reading you right. You didn't think Sudfeld showed enough
0: (laughs) in in week 17
1: to maybe challenge for the
0: job. Is that what you're saying? I can't can't believe that happened. Like, I I don't know. I, 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 understand, um, even pulling Hurts perhaps, but, but man, like what did we not know about Nate Sudfeld?
1: I'm excited about Hurts. Um, obviously, a proactive runner, a guy who – I mean, some, sometimes run, young quarterbacks run because they don't know any better, and yeah. then they'll eventually kind of shelve that part of the game. I think it's always going to be a part of his game. And we've never been at a time where the league has protected quarterbacks like they do now, where not only can you, can you not really even look at them with ill intent in the pocket, but once they get past the line of scrimmage and they can do – like, Kyler Murray's got that great move. Like, I'm sliding. You can't hit me. Oh, I'll run for 10 more yards. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then if you do hit me, you're gonna probably get a flag anyway. I mean, he's really good at that Murray. You know, what a what a fun player he is. I'm in on Hurts. The problems, I just I'm just not in on Doug Peterson. The further we get from that Super Bowl, I just think that that's Frank Reich's Mona Lisa, and it's not Doug Peterson's Mona Lisa. Wentz, I don't think the I think the relationship between Wentz and the Eagles is broken beyond repair. The problem is gonna be how do you move on from that? How much money are you gonna have to eat? Who's gonna want Carson Wentz? Maybe yeah. they can sweet talk. Their old buddy Reich into, into taking him on at uh, in Indianapolis, depending on what they plan on doing with Philip Rivers, but and maybe they bring him back for a year anyway. But I think that one situation is broken. I think they move need to move on, and I think Hertz played pretty well in a situation. Remember, their offensive line was basically completely broken the moment they opened up. They're the Amazon package that was broken on the doorstep. You know that <laughs> offensive line was already in disrepair before the season started. All all sorts of key guys missed time. Goddard missed time. Sanders missed time. Their old receiving group, which was probably not a good bet anyway, but those guys were all missing time too. Rager didn't really have a fair shake. I I was joking with him getting the award earlier, and you're right. Ruggs was a good pick too. But Rager essentially starts his rookie year over again next year. I think Hertz could – he's going to be – the quarterback not drafted as an obvious fantasy starter, who I think people can tell themselves the story. Yeah. Could he be like quarterback four quarterback five, largely because of his dual threat profile? Could, could he be that guy? Yeah. I can tell myself that story. I'm going to be proactive drafting hurts next year.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I like it. Um, I, I, he's been, he's been a little bit shaky these last couple of weeks and he's got, uh, at least one frisky defense in the, uh, in the division in Washington to deal with, but yeah, I, I suppose a normal off season uh, uh, w- would benefit him greatly. An off season in which perhaps they can actually cater to his abilities and uh, and design a system that suits him, and an off season in which he's actually treated as the uh, as the incoming starting quarterback would make a huge difference. So I would be shocked if remember
1: they wanted to lose that game and move up in the draft. They have a really early yeah. pick next year. That's going to be an offensive player. I think probably a lineman. I wouldn't rule out a receiver. But they're going to they're going to give him something that's going to make his life a lot yeah. easier in the draft, I think.
0: So before we hit the the wild card sort of betting look ahead, um, we should mention quickly that uh, the, some of the coaching changes that have already happened on Monday. The Adam Gase era has finally mercifully ended in New York. Uh, Doug Marone out in Jacksonville. Anthony Lynn out with the Chargers. None of those moves, uh, particularly surprising. So all those openings plus Houston, Atlanta, Detroit, uh, have openings as well. Uh, what is the most attractive landing spot? I assume in your mind it is, uh, Jacksonville and, uh, and Los Angeles in some order. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I like the chargers set up. Uh, people want to live in Los Angeles. It's not a very demanding media market. The fan base is almost non-existent. It's a new stadium. They have a quarterback who looks great. Just had we, we talked about a lot about rookies. We're not going to talk about Justin Herbert today, but he's obviously terrific. Yeah, he, he broke all sorts of rookie records. I mean, I love the fact that you know, they took his you know, they took Allen and Henry off the field, it doesn't seem to matter to him. He'll throw to anybody, he'll go through progressions. He just seems like he's 29 out there, although he, you know, when he takes his helmet off, he looks 16. <laughs> but man, he's he's terrific. So I, that would be the job if I were a coach that had my pick of the litter. That'd be the one I want. Although Jacksonville's really close. The thing I don't like about Jacksonville is the ownership seems like they really want to hold on to the personnel choicings. And that's mm. you know that's a big mistake. Haven't we learned anything from the Jerry Jones era? I mean, he does a lot of things good as an owner. The stadium is terrific, and and he puts money into his product, and he, he just wants them to be good. Although their, their brand is, is so great, he's always going to make money on the Cowboys. I don't want to say that he's doing it for charity reasons. But he also wants his hand in the personnel, and that's a big mistake. And I think Jacksonville needs to get over that. And if they don't, that could be a problem with the coach or the GM that wants to come there if maybe there's going to be a puppeteer over their head. I don't know what to do with the Jets. I, I think Douglas is a good GM. I think the defense was actually kind of sneaky, competitive. But they have a, they have to make a decision on Sam Darnold. I think they should move on for the lone reason that if you draft a quarterback and he's good right away, you get to live on that cheap deal for the next handful of seasons. Darnold's already played three of his rookie years. Yeah. He's, he's into that, what are we doing now? We get married or we break an up season? I... I think they're best served to move on from him. Now, I think he'd be a great quarterback for somebody else to rehabilitate. I would love him in New England. He'll probably never end up there. Maybe for the 49ers, the Broncos could need a quarterback. I still think the Steelers, Roethlisberger's not going to play forever. I mean, I think he's probably one more year and he's probably going to retire. Any of those cities would be interesting for me with Darnold. But uh, if you want the P&L ranking, I would go definitely the Chargers one the Jaguars too. And, and I want to see the you know, con, I want to see them be more open-minded about what kind of power they'll give their GM. And then I would say the Jets have the third best spot. Unfortunately for Houston, they have the one thing solved that you want. Deshaun Watson is terrific, but they have nothing else I feel good about in that team.
0: Yeah. I actually feel bad that uh, we didn't discuss Deshaun, discuss Deshaun more here. He, he ended up leading the NFL in passing yards led the NFL in yards per attempt, led the NFL in yards per completion. I realize that his team only won, you know, like a four-win team. Um they've got they've got no draft picks. a uh, lot a lot of things working against them, but he is coming off just a a, a brilliant season that is going to be largely forgotten.
1: Uh let's get they easily could have won 7 or 8 games. They oh, had the two absolutely. fumbles in the
0: Colts games, at the goal
1: line that they finally tie up Tennessee, and what does what their defense do? Oh, well, let's let A.J. Brown get open for a you know 50-yard catch or whatever that was. Um, Deshaun Watson deserves better. Um, I want to say that he closed his
0: season with um, seven 300-yard games in his last eight, something like that. Like The game log is just incredible.
1: With an offensive line that wasn't playing well, yeah. with a running game that never got going, with on a team where they got rid of Hopkins, and although Fuller was great for two-thirds of the season, he didn't play the last five or six weeks. Brandon Cooks was in and out of the lineup, although he, he becomes the second receiver. I think it is now to to have a thousand yards on four different teams, joining your your buddy Brandon Marshall. That's nuts. So Cook's one of the great unwanted players in NFL history. Everybody seems to always move on from this guy, and, and yet there he is and he produces. But I just want to say how much I'm in favor of Deshaun Watson. I, I think he's he's a person who gets the way and actually I, I like what JJ Watt said a week ago. You know, we're it's a good thing being an NFL player. We have to care, we have to take some pride in what we do. At least the. The Texans put up a fight in that Titans game they didn't roll over. I'll, I'll give them credit for that. But I would—I really hope they get the hire right. Deshaun Watson yeah. deserves his Sean Payton. He right. deserves his Andy Reid, his coach. He can go hand-in-hand hand for the next 10 years and, and make a bunch of playoffs and a bunch of Super Bowl runs.
0: Well, let's dive into a weekend that the Texans will not be involved in, and that is a wildcard weekend in the NFL. We're going to talk odds, and this week's odds, uh, as always, are from our friends at BetMGM, who have a deal going right now. New users get $25 in bonus dollars upon registration. No deposit required and can be used immediately and receive a 100% deposit match up to $1,000 with their first deposit. Sign up at betmgm.com slash yahoo. And make sure to use the promo code sportsbook when you make your first deposit. Promo valid for new users in New Jersey, West Virginia, Indiana, Tennessee, or Colorado that are 21 years or older terms apply. Okay, I'm just going to give you the odds in these. These are the early odds. This is what I saw Monday morning, as soon as I logged on to BetMGM and just just give us your your quick thoughts on each of these games. I actually think, man, I think Indy at Buffalo is is pretty fun. And I'm not you know, I'm not saying that your bills, your beloved bills are going to get knocked off or anything like this. But I do think the Colts can give them a game uh the the game opens uh with the bills as a seven point favorite the over under in this thing is 51 and a half. obviously both teams are are fully capable of scoring um how are you feeling about this one is it a is it a bill's route i
1: lean towards taking the Bills, spotting the seven when you see a line like minus seven a lot of times you think this is a great tease you know get a six point tease find another team that you think or maybe a money line tease where buffalo just has to win the game buffalo will have fans in this game it won't be a, a full thrown crowd of course Bills are now number one in DVOA, the, the football outsiders' uh, team efficiency metric, which matters to me. I think their defense has gotten a lot better in the second half of the year. Now, the Colts, I, we talked about Taylor earlier, schedule to the side. He's played a lot better in recent weeks. So I think Indianapolis's ground game is more of a threat and more of a problem for Buffalo than it, it might have been in the middle of the season. But I, I think Buffalo will hold here. I think they'll win, and I think they'll probably cover the number, although I know I'm, I'm going to look at them as a possible tease leg.
0: Um, yeah, but Buffalo's Buffalo got to this win total in a way that I just I just would have thought coming into the season that would not have been possible for them. So again, f- full credit to the Bills and Josh Allen. Um, they've just been an incredible offense. They, they finished second in uh, total yards, almost 400 yards per game. Second in scoring at over 31 points per game. Um, we can, we can. I suppose we can question whether Josh Allen should have played at all in Week 17. I thought it was a little bit weird. I don't think I would have put him Me at too. risk. Um, but he was great. Like he's going to be. Like he's a big dude. He's hard to hurt um it seemed a little curious to me to put him at risk but they did and he was fantastic um just a terrific season
1: I think they really wanted the number two seed I think they wanted yeah. to avoid if form holds they wanted to avoid Baltimore in round two and also get a home game if some somehow Kansas City ends up losing though you know it's probably still not to be expected but I think they valued the number two seed the other thing that really gets me excited about Buffalo I mean I, I think Dave Brian Dable's a great offensive coordinator we'll see if he gets interviewed for any of these openings although it hurts him that they're in the playoffs because that can stand in the way of guys sometimes getting gigs right. but the support players on this team and we know Allen's you know, stepped up and he's great you know Diggs just won the receiving title but they have Gabriel Davis making splash plays you know Isaiah McKenzie w- was a week 17 star they have John Brown is going to is they're just and, weaving and John
0: freaking Brown back into the offense that guy's good yeah Cole, Be- Cole Beasley was one of the most uh, improved, or his
1: utilization improved in, in 2020. He's just a, a nightmare on those option routes, which keep the chains moving. Buffalo does two things really well that I want. I want them to make splash plays. The whole key to being a good offense is never getting the third down or just you know, making chunk plays as it is, but you still have to convert some third downs. I think Buffalo's outstanding at both of those things. I think this team's going deep. I think we're on a collision course for Kansas city and Buffalo. And I would be very surprised if Buffalo doesn't win its first two. games. Yeah.
0: That's, that's the game I want. And I I should also add that the, the, capper to I, it's already been a marvelous season for josh allen obviously but the the one extra thing we need to see josh allen do is is sort of get the stink of last year's playoff performance off of him um that was a that was a particularly ugly finish for the bills um obviously i think he does it they, they're going to put up a big number in this one let's move to uh to the rams at seattle we just saw this game and it wasn't I mean, it wasn't dreadful, but it wasn't super fun. It was a twenty to 9, 20 to nine Seattle win just a couple of weeks ago. It was dreadful. You're not you're not being fair. That game, was <laughs> yeah, dreadful. yeah, like it wasn't by by the standards of of modern football, it was not. Uh, it, I'll give you I'll give you
1: my game rewind password if you want to rewatch that game. You know, I, <laughs> don't, you, you oh, don't, don't want to rewatch that. Game. I've, I've seen it.
0: That. I've already I've already gone through it on rewind. What a joy. Yeah. Um, it was a mess. Um, what, what, what else can I say about this game? Um, we, we probably not going to have Jared Goff, uh, Jamal Adams just picked up a, a new shoulder injury. That's both shoulders, I believe hurting for him. Uh, that was pretty late in week 17 too. I assume he's going to be okay. It sounds like he's going to be okay. Although Pete Carroll is always bullish on everyone's chances to play in the week ahead. Um, Anyway, uh, the line in this game is, is 42 and a half, uh, Seattle a four and a half point favorite. I don't have a great read on it, but, uh, I'm, I'm assuming with no golf, I shouldn't feel particularly good about the Rams.
1: I bet this total goes down. I mean, you yeah. mentioned 20 to nine yeah. last week there off the offense was not flowing in any of the NFC West games in week 17, the, the Rams Cardinals game was a hard watch. The 49ers-Seahawks game, although there was some offense late in that game. But for the most part, that was a game played in the teens most of the way. I think 20 points would win this game again, both teams. Seattle kind of hangs their hat on balance. The Rams hang their hat on defense. Remember, the Seattle defense was generationally bad for a couple of months, and then all of a sudden they fixed it. I know the schedule's played into that. They've had a lot of green lights with opponents and quarterbacks. A lot of backups have played against them. But they have fixed things too. Uh, they, of course, they need a healthy Adams. He's a, he's a key part of that. They also, but, for
0: a while, they just they had the most pass attempts against them by a mile because they mm-hmm. got out to huge leads, like in September and October, mm-hmm. and and they allowed a lot of yards that, that were kind of you know that weren't particularly meaningful early in the season. You know, it
1: was like the season was like let Russ cook. No, wait a minute, it's let Dalvin cook. <laughs> no, no, wait a minute, let 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 Deshaun Watson and and you know cook. You know, it's kind of like been the the baton passed this year. 20 points, I think, has an excellent chance to win this game. I, I don't give out a lot of total opinions, but I would get this 42-and-a-half while you can. I think that is going to go down.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good call. Um, next game, this one also on Saturday. This is Tampa Bay, an eight-point favorite at the Washington football team. The number in this game is 46-and-a-half. Um, Tampa has, has really, and some of this is schedule, But especially late in the season, they've just been an almost unstoppable offense. Um, They've averaged almost 35 points per game over their last seven. Uh, Brady got himself to 40 passing touchdowns on the year, which is pretty incredible at his age. At any age, really, 40 passing touchdowns is remarkable. But when you're whatever he is, 43, it's crazy. Um, Washington, a team that... eh, doesn't you know they're kind of in that Bears category of not really deserving to be here, but hey, they're here. Um, they got a they got a frisky defense. They got they got some young talent there. Um, can they do anything to limit the Tampa Bay offense?
1: Yeah, I think this is a fun matchup because it's the name brand but older Tampa Bay offense, right? Uh, Antonio Brown finally starting to look like a difference maker again. Brady, what the last eight quarters? I think he's over a thousand passing yards and a, a was it eight or ten touchdowns, ten touchdowns. I think I think I have that right. It's a little bit hard to figure out because it was over three different games, but I realized it's a little bit of a cut and paste, but he looks great. Uh, Brown looks finally like a difference maker again. I I hope they can get Mike Evans back in this game. Um, They wanted – I understand why Tampa Bay wanted this game because they wanted to play the NFC East winner. That was going to be the easiest opponent in the playoff round, so that's maybe why they prioritized it. It's easy to say now, well, maybe Evans shouldn't have been on the field. Um, you need him for a deep playoff run, but you have, so, okay. The Seahawks, I'm sorry, the, um, the Bucks, veterans, pro bowlers, guys who've already made their hall of fame case probably against this up and coming Washington defense, which is a great pass rush from their main four guys. It's gotten better as the season has gone along. The secondary didn't play well early. It's been better late. That's a, that to me, I'm watching chase young, you know, run around and, and try to get in, in Tom Brady's hair and, uh, into his you know into his socks or whatever watching that for three hours i think will actually be pretty fun and you know washington to me is a lot like their season's a lot like the cleveland season where it's like okay let's flip the culture let's get the head coach right we haven't been relevant forever we've been a joke of a franchise we've been one of the easiest punchlines in the nfl i I know there's still a punchline because they went to the playoffs with a losing record but whatever They, they were respectable the alex smith story is good Uh, for all the rookie running back talk we did we didn't mention Antonio Gibson who's been outstanding I think he's top five in fantasy points per touch which is a stat I care about we know McLaurin's terrific Uh, Logan Thomas was the number six tight end he's really good has the Loza stamp of approval which which matters to me so I think this will be a fun game I think Tampa Bay will win it but when you have a defense as destructive as Washington I certainly give them a puncher's chance
0: uh do you think they can keep it to within a touchdown
1: I can take the points in this game. I respect the Washington defense. The big thing to me is that what Washington when they have been at their best recently, it's been let's win, conservative, let's win, not asking the quarterback to do much, let's win, you know, just throwing the ball away. Punting is fine. Just don't give the game away. They're gonna I don't think they can get away with that here. I think Alex Smith needs to throw for like two seventy to win this game. I'm not sure if he can do it. It's great. He's comeback player of the year you go watch the Stefania Bell piece. That was excellent. I, I'm all, I think we're all for Alex Smith. And yet I think we're all nervous watching him play too, yep. to some degree. Um, I, I'm going to take the points, but I worry that for Washington to win this game, they might need Smith to do something that maybe he's not capable of doing right now.
0: Okay. Let's look at the Sunday games. Um, and I, I assume that everybody is really looking forward to this one. This should be a lot of fun. Baltimore at Tennessee. The, the number in this thing is 54 and a half um which uh you know hey huge but but these offenses are great. Baltimore favored by 4. Um again the Ravens close the season with 5 wins. They finished with a plus 165 point differential. Just ran for 400 yards. Um both teams want to run it down your throat and Tennessee as a defense is much more accommodating of that. Uh what's your read on this game?
1: Yeah, it's going to be driving Mike Vrabel crazy that he's got a defense that can't stop anybody because he's yeah. got such a good offense. Yeah, your, your Tannehill took a, maybe a half step back from last year, but he was really good this year. A.J. Brown is, is just an unguardable freak. Corey Davis had the Devontae Parker season. We know how great Derrick Henry is. They don't need to have a top-five defense to make it work, but they might have a bottom-five defense. I think they, they probably have the worst defense in the playoffs by far. Yeah, that's an issue I'm buying into. There's going to be a lot of cases where, you know, do you need to be hot going into the playoffs? Does it matter? You know, can you, can you bench guys? Does rust matter? All that stuff. Kansas City hasn't covered since week eight for crying out loud, which, which is mind blowing to me. So some people might say, well, well, Baltimore momentum doesn't matter. Momentum is, you know, your last offensive drive, you know, I mean, you're you're down 17, nothing the first quarter. Nobody cares how well you played in December, I buy into Baltimore to figure some stuff out. I buy into the idea that they're finally removed from the COVID hell that they were in where we weren't sure when games were going to be played. They couldn't practice. Again, many teams have faced that same challenge on some level. I don't want to act like it's isolated to Baltimore, but I felt like they were getting the worst of it at one point. So I, they were disappointing last year. I think Jackson's ready for a signature moment. I'm going to pick Baltimore only to win this game and cover, but I think they're assuming – Form holds in the other game and they go to Kansas City. I think that's going to be one of the games of the year, that, that Baltimore-Kansas City matchup. I think Baltimore's finally ready to give a good threat, a good scare to the Chiefs.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you when—hopefully when we're able to pull this together this week at some point. If we're able to do a, a postseason fantasy draft, I'm going to be pretty proactive with Ravens. Uh, I, I like them as a team that can— uh, Man, they can give their. I think they get past this one, and I think they give their second round opponent. a – uh, These are going to be
1: the most exciting playoff drafts of all times. So we have fourteen yeah. teams now, and we have with six games in wild card week. So there's going to be much more to consider, right? Yep. It used to be that we get these playoff drafts like, okay, there's like three teams everybody wants to stockpile, <laughs> right? Right. And then you're all get you're all guessing on stuff. I I just think there's going to be more. To me, fantasy leagues, this is why like, I never get rid of the tight end position. I think fantasy is most, most fun when you have choices, when you have options, when you have different roster builds that you can explore. And in this year in the fantasy playoffs, there's, you know, there's a bunch of different ways to do this. You can get together with people and draft teams like you normally would, or you can get in a league where you use everybody once in a given week. You can certainly play DFS on Yahoo, which is a fun way to do it. So there's a bunch of different ways to dip your toes in the pool, and uh, I'm going to be dipping my toes in, the, in that pool.
0: Um, I assume you're not going to be dipping your toes in the Chicago Bears pool. Uh, they travel to New Orleans where they are a, a 10 point dog. Uh, the number in this game is 47 and a half. The Saints catch a bit of a break in that this is a Sunday game, so they should have their full running back depth chart available to them, all of them on the COVID list uh, this past week, assuming Alvin uh, Kamara is OK. Uh, he can he can return in this one. Um, is there any path? For the Bears to keep it within ten points against the Saints, I think we know the answer to that.
1: Yeah, I think it's a woodshed game. Yeah, I I like I like the way the Saints have played late in the season. And and the thing, remember the Saints that they have great defense personnel too. Don't trust. I don't think Trubisky's ready for his big moment. You know, Lamar Jackson, I think is going to have a signature playoff moment. I am not calling for that signature (laughs) Mitch Trubisky moment unless. Unless you're willing to accept him becoming a meme on Sunday afternoon on Twitter, you know, where there's going to be a bunch of, you know, Harmon's going to have some great Trubisky. He's probably already got it queued up. You know, some great <laughs> Trubisky um, tweet for Sunday. So I don't I don't see it. Another great tease opportunity too. If, if the 10 points is too much for you to swallow, you can look at some of the alternative
0: point spreads. But this game to me looks like Saints 35, you know, Bears 13. Yeah, if you... If you want to make an evaluation about David Montgomery for 2021, base it off this game, because this is going to be the first good run defense that he's seen in forever since uh, since November. So we'll see what this looks like. Um, Montgomery still going to be obviously a huge part of the game plan. But uh, the Saints run defense is legit. And Montgomery hasn't seen one of those in like six weeks. Uh, Final game of wildcard weekend. It's going to be Cleveland at Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh, a four point favorite in this one. Again, Pittsburgh with with mostly the JV. Uh, just nearly beat the Browns in Week 17 in a must-win week for the Browns. Uh, the number in this game is 46 and a half. Pittsburgh, however, has lost four of five. Uh, Roethlisberger just rested; has not looked like you know he's been like a ghost version of himself over the last month and a half or so. Uh, I don't even have a read on this game. I, like I can, I can, I can see a path to Cleveland winning comfortably, and I can see a path to Pittsburgh winning comfortably. I like the under in this game,
1: 46-and-a-half. Mm. I think the Browns are going to want to run the ball and not put everything on Mayfield's shoulders. And because Pittsburgh's passing game with Roethlisberger has been so reliant on short passes, that's almost like an extension of the run game. I think both of these teams, their scoring drives are going to be 13-play drives, 11-play yeah. drives. It's not going to be, oh, okay, you know, 65-yard touchdown pass to Jarvis Landry. I mean, I know Claypool and Johnson can, can get loose for some big plays, but Roethlisberger... They don't like to do play action there. He doesn't seem to hold the ball as long as he did. They, they really need to single and double their way down the field. They don't hit as many home runs anymore. So I'm first looking towards the under. I have to lean Pittsburgh in this game just because the Tomlin matters to me, and these Cleveland just looks like a team that they got in. That's the win of their season. They qualified for the playoffs. I think they know they're not going anywhere deep. Uh, the, the worst point differential of the playoff teams, they're minus 11, which is probably a better – version of their strength. You could even make the case that maybe Miami was a stronger team than Cleveland. You don't pick playoff teams the way you would pick like the NCAA tournament or something like that. But if you did, you could make the case that maybe Miami had a better case or, you know, maybe heck if you could just put the most competitive team on the field, maybe the chargers right now are a better team than the Browns. Yeah. I know Cleveland's going to hate me for saying that. Um, but I think they would maybe be more dangerous of an opponent. I don't think either one of these teams is going deep. I think the the Bills would love to play one of these teams in round two, right. which, which we'll see if that happens or not. But uh, I'm going to lean Pittsburgh, but my main thrust in this game is go under.
0: All right, folks, if you enjoyed any portion of this marathon podcast, um, we have a lot of podcasts for you at Yahoo Sports. Check out the Yahoo Sports NFL pod with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler, The Yahoo Sports College pod with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our good friend Pat Forty from SI. Also, check out Post It Up with Chris Haynes. Follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I am at Andy Barons. That right there is at Scott underscore Pianowski. You're going to get Matt Harmon and Dalton Deldon uh, later in the week with a full wild card preview. But for now, we are out.